Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. Feeling better this week? Yeah. Good. Feeling better. No shingles. That's good. Yeah, this is good. No shingles is always a good thing. Um, let's start off with our recipe for health for everyone. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. I and my immediate family, including my dog sometimes, we all enjoy our Athletic Greens. AG1. We love our AG1. We drink it every day. It's part of my morning breakfast. And uh, the greatest thing for me is that when I drink it, I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have to eat kale today. And um, all the benefits of kale with none of the kale bragging that's sometimes involved. Is it recommended for the dog? I don't know, but you know, I'll put a little bit in my hand and kind of give him a little cupped version of it. And <laughs> that dog will lap up anything. So there you go. I don't know if it's recommended either. So I'm not going to promote it. However, my dog gets it at least once a week because inevitably I spill the powder and she's there to lick up whatever we spill and she does like it. And so she'll come through and lick it up. And I, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I notice an extra pep in her step or <laughs> cognitive firing or her regularity, but she does seem to like the flavor. Yeah. Well, we love um, the flavor, but the big deal is all the benefits that it produces for our bodies and our minds. So I, I'm, uh, it's just such a simple life hack. I really enjoy it. That's the key. It's so it is the best product on the market of its kind. And it's, uh, so you can look into all of what's in it if you want to research that on athleticgreens.com slash surf. But the reason why we do it is what you said. It's a life hack. It's 20 second commitment in the morning, whole foods pulverized into a powder that are in a scoop. You put with eight ounces of water, drink it. The whole process takes 20 seconds. You don't even need to shop for it. You just go to athleticgreens.com slash surf. They send it to you monthly. So you don't even have to, um, do anything after that point, other than the 20 seconds each morning for optimal health. And our portal again is athleticgreens.com slash surf. Yeah. And you know, gosh, real water sports, our friend trip Foreman and his crew at real water sports, those guys have such an incredible selection of hard goods, surfboards, wetsuits, gear, fins, leashes, and they'll ship to anywhere in the world. They have incredible customer service. If you need gear, you need real water sports and we all need gear. Therefore we all need real water sports. I looked on their website yesterday. Um, you don't, there's not a lot of holes in my quiver. There's none really, truly. Yet I found a board that would fit in my quiver <laughs> in a gap that I don't have anything else. Yeah, They have, and they come, there's a number of different sizes, but it's an IPA. Uh, kind of a modern sting built in dark arts construction. Yes. And I'm like, don't have a sting. I have things that are kind of like a sting. So if it was just the sting in regular PU construction, I could argue against it. But the fact that it's in dark arts construction, I'm like, bang, I might need that. There's my quiver. There wasn't a gap, but if I move the quiver out this way, there's room over here. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. That's funny you say that because I was, uh, I was at a place recently and, and I, I had the same experience. I picked up uh, one of those Rob Machado seaside fishes. Oh, yeah. And I was very, very, very close to buying it. 
but um, yeah. I've got a, I've got another board coming. So I just, I mean, you would have been proud of me, dude. It's amazing <laughs> that I didn't buy this board because I was like, I like everything about this board. And then I was like, oh God, you know what? No. Last thing I need. But I, but I um, wake up and I think about it. like, I'm like right now, I'm like, oh, that would be really fun today. You know, it's two to three feet. Each day. Keep moving forward. That memory and that pull will get uh, less and less intense. Um, the point is that we could go real, to real water sports and pick up one of these well, boards. And they have that board that you're just talking about too. Um, the reality is they do all these little collaboration deals. So they work with a bunch of different shapers like Iba, like Christensen, Roger Hines, Maurice Cole, uh, Donald Takiyama, Ricky Carroll. I could go on. And they do specific collaborations for real water sports that are only available there in a limited run of boards. Um, sometimes as little as five, you know, I know Roger just did like a little five pack for him before he went to France, Maurice Cole did a 50 pack for them. Um, so, and then they kind of change those out every time that they do one. it's a different collaboration all the time. So unique, unique surfboard inventory and yeah, good friends, realwatersports.com. See some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It is Spit. It's another episode of what may or may not be your favorite podcast. Hard to say, really, at this point. But um, uh, David and I, we know it's right there at the top of our list, probably number four or five favorite podcasts. (laughs) Um, Good morning, David. How are you? Good morning, Scott. Glad to be here. It is early. Sun is just starting to come up. 7 a.m. show today. And it's March 23rd, the year 2022. And we've got some interesting things to talk about as we're a couple, three weeks out from, two weeks out, maybe less, from, I guess, 10 days out from the uh, Bells Beach event for the World Surf League. And um, gosh, I don't know where you want to begin. I guess with the World Surf League, let's start with Gabe Medina. Is he back? There seems to be rumor, more than rumor, actually, stuff that adds up that perhaps Gabe is going to be surfing. Gabe Medina, world champion Gabe Medina, is going to be surfing at the Bells Beach event for the um, World Championship Tour. Any insight on this? Beach Grit broke a story a couple of days ago about Gabe being available on the, the World Surf League's fantasy surfer game as a choice if you play that game. So, And he wasn't available for the past events, so... Seems as if he may be firing up. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't put a ton of credence behind that rumor uh, for two reasons. One, it's beach grit. And then number two, the WSL is not super uh, diligent about updating that stuff. I literally opened the app to look at the rankings two weeks ago. And Kelly Slater did not have a photograph. <laughs> you know how they, number one is at that time, I think it was Baron Mamiya, it has his face. 
Number two, it's an empty little hanger with no face, just a silhouette. And then number three was Kanoa Igarashi or something. And I'm like, Kelly Slater is your 11 time world champ. How do you not have his face added to this thing? Um, John John Florence was in Portugal and they have, you know, um, again, pro or uh, portraits of each of the surfers kind of lining the contest site along the fence. And John John posted an Instagram with his wife modifying his picture because in his picture, he's standing there with his chest puffed up and a big Hurley logo emblazoned across his chest. So that photo of John John is three or four years old at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so little details like that, the WSL isn't super up to speed on. And I know that they are, they have been laying off a bunch of staff. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is just something that, was copied over maybe from last year or whatever and just didn't get modified okay um i agree with all of that that um we can't really put a lot of credit into or a lot of um what would be the right word uh, credence credence yeah um however the one thing that makes me think that maybe he is coming back is and you may have seen this but um johnny cabianca posted a quiver shot of gabe's latest quiver and that's the kind of thing that makes me go, okay, yeah. Gabe's got a brand new set of boards that he had Johnny make for Australia. Um, that's the one thing where I'm like, you know what? He might be coming back. Now, um, Beach Grit also had some insight that I didn't even know about. Maybe you have some. Did, did Gabe get married and get divorced? Or is this just, did I misread all of this? Yeah, you. that is accurate. Um, so he got married last year. We watched all of that on Instagram, the love story, right. Him acting like a teenager, you know, and, uh, to the benefit of his surfing career too. Like he had a banner year last year, but yes, in the off season, they broke up. That was part of the rumor of why more than rumor actually of why he didn't come back to compete this year. Mm -hmm. They split, they both moved out of the house. They had this big house on the beach. They moved out of that and yeah, they're officially split. And he really seemed like she's, he spoke about it publicly, talked about depression, talked about all that stuff. She then spoke about it publicly saying, um, give him some space, give him some time. Like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. But I will say beyond that, somebody sent me um, a DM of her Instagram. She looks like she's gone off the deep end, dude. Right. And I know it's not, yeah, I know it's not polite uh, to yeah. talk about yeah. I don't know somebody's appearance, but yeah. she looks like she's got some plastic surgery done. She looks like a super, like a, um, like a, I don't know, like a plastic version of what she looked like last year in ways that are not very appealing. And it like a radical drop off from what she was looking like last year. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what any of that means. It's just yeah. bizarre that they seemed obviously perfectly happy last year she's obviously very beautiful naturally beautiful and then this images that she's posting now just look like what are you doing like living a radically different life is what is interesting about it okay well i i for one um would like to see gabe come on tour i think it would be a fun little shake up here it'd be fun to see how where he's at competitively his mindset if he's in fact cleared away all the baggage of what is perhaps maybe his first um you know, love breakup. I don't know. Maybe he's had more, but those are certainly um, powerful and emotional moments in one's life. And so 
Um, you know, it'd be fun to see where he's at. Um, so I hope he comes back. And like I said, you don't necessarily post a quiver of brand new boards. Like you'd think, and I don't know, you'd think Johnny Cabianca would go, Hey, do you want me to post these? And in fact, Gabe went on the Instagram and, and, you know, he didn't post any words. He just put uh, like a heart and like a, a ninja um, emoji. Like he always I'm, uses coming, that. I'm coming back to slay, you know? Yeah. I'm going to be slaying yeah. the dark ninja. <laughs> we need the dark ninja. We need somebody to root against. I am already rooting against him, but I do want him to come back because uh, he's good for the tour. And um, yeah. So, yeah. When I said um, that, I don't think those rumors are necessarily founded. I'm not, I'm just basing what uh, that on the evidence that you provided. Now you provided new evidence. And I think, yeah, that's a little bit more compelling. Um, I don't know. Uh, so the question is, does this bode well for his performance at Bells or not? And would you put him on? Would he be your survival pick? No, 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 no. This is a, you got to, this is a wait and see moment, especially from a for survival sure. standpoint. For yeah. sure. I, I mean, but it, it makes me want to bet on him a little bit because obviously he has the toolbox and even uh, mentally uh, fragile Gabriel is still stronger than 99% of the tour, I would say. And he really needs to win two events if he wants to secure his spot. I'm sure he'll be made accommodation by the WSL to kind of um, requalify through other means or just be gifted the wild card for next season. But he could, I mean, he has this, the toolbox to win these next two events. Well, um, I imagine he's, he's, you know, he, he doesn't have to worry about being in the contest. All he has to do is show up, let him know that he wants to surf and he's in of course. And gosh, think about the guys that are on the bubble, you know, the guys that are right there, right around 22, 24, 18, you know, they got three events to go before the cut and all of a sudden Gabe shows up and <laughs> Gabe could just, Gabe could be number two after three events. He, I mean, he could be number one, frankly. He could well, go out and get about, a first, a second, and a third and be number one in the world. I think there's only two events, right? Just Bellows oh, and Margaret. Oh, there's only two. of You're right. I apologize. There's only two events left. Okay, so yeah, he would need to. But it's totally doable to be in the top 20 after two events. Yeah, yeah but think about Kayo. Kayo Abelli is using Gabriel's spot right now, and Kayo's in third or fourth or something. Yeah, this is where, you know, they should probably not worry so much about Joel Tudor and get their act together regarding contingencies for all of this because this stuff's important, man. It, I mean, what a um, injustice if for some reason Kayo is not allowed to surf the rest of the tour. I just looked it up. He's actually sixth, so not, not third. But, yeah, total injustice. And I mean, the WSL makes bends and breaks rules all the time to accommodate what's kind of the, in their best interest or the best narrative and storyline. And so, yeah, you absolutely have to make accommodation for Kaya at this point. He's proven his worth. A um, couple more things about the WSL, if you don't mind. I'm getting asked a lot, not a lot, but at least, you know, three or four times, maybe five times. Um, when the Joel Tudor thing comes up, the number one thing is, is the, is Jesse Miley Dyer, did she, or has she ever had a relationship with one of the 
tour surfers, one of the athletes. Do you know anything about that? Is that like confirmed? Because I'm kind of grasping straws here. I don't know if that's actually been confirmed. Did she have a relationship, an intimate, emotional relationship with one of the athletes? So I cannot confirm because I have not seen her or spoken to her or the alleged athlete to say like, yeah, I saw him kissing or whatever. Yeah. But I can confirm in so far as it was pretty public knowledge that yes, she had a relationship, but how was it? How was it? How was it public knowledge? Um, in people around the con, yeah, people that travel on the world tour, it was public knowledge among those people, and then those people told me. Okay, and that and that was well over a year ago, but I don't think they weren't out about it. You know, it wasn't a public relationship. They were trying to keep it kind of on the down low, but not so, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, because they know it's just bad. It's bad for PR. It's you know? horrible. It's, all, it's absolutely horrible. It's even worse but, if but they're they, trying to hide it. Well, I think that's the thing is um, they presume incorrectly that there's no PR because surfing's not that big or whatever. So it's like, if we're kind of doing this on the sly, we have a pretty insular group that's traveling around the world with us. Who's really going to report on this type of stuff? Yeah. It's nobody's business anyways. Mind your own business. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I if I had to bet money on it, I would say absolutely. I believe that rumor was absolutely true a year ago. Um, the thing is, Joel brought it up way, way, way after the fact. Yeah. And so... And it didn't have anything to do with what Joel was talking about other than to um, call the WSL you, hypocritical. Let me ask you this. Um, from your vantage, if, if in fact, hypothetically speaking, the person in question, Jesse Miley Dyer, did have an intimate emotional relationship with one of the athletes, even though it's in the past and it is now in the past and they have since gone their separate ways but but they're both still on tour one's an athlete one's the commissioner or whatever she is vice president or whatever um is this wrong is this a a violation of it absolutely is a violation it should be a violation of the wsl's code of conduct and it's also just i would say ethically wrong for sporting yeah yeah absolutely even though it's in the past, because in some ways you could say that's almost worse. Like, is she doing things? Is she, is Jesse hyper, uh, you know, concerned about what this person, how she feels because she, you know, for whatever. Anyway, I guess it's all hearsay, but I'd love to get to the bottom of it. I'd love, I'd love to, I would love to find out that it didn't happen. Since somebody specifically somebody from the WSL go, no, this is absolutely not true. You speak in falsehood. You are a, you're spreading misinformation, Scott, please stop it or we will sue you. Uh, well, it can't get sued about it because it's all, we're claiming that it's rumor and alleged and innuendo, but um, I don't think that we ever will get to the bottom of it because even if they said that, I wouldn't believe it. Uh, and whoever said that, do they know for a fact, you know, like they weren't there. They, Jesse could be doing stuff on the side that they don't know about. Um, so there's no way for us to ever get to the bottom of it, but 
the reality is, yeah, it's totally uh, inappropriate conduct. And I agree with you, whether or not she's in favor of that athlete or now against that athlete, because it was in the past, all of that. And she's not a judge, by the way. So it's not necessarily affecting who's getting through heats, but she still is making decisions that would favor some athletes over others. And so it just, you just should just not a, be doing just a it. Ba- bad luck. Bad, bad luck. It's a bad look, but look, it feels grimy talking about somebody's personal relationships full well, stop. And plus, right? we don't even know if this is this is all just like I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. Like I would like for to me, know well I agree one with you. One way or the like other, and then too. I will I'll just drop it. I mean, unless it comes up again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to me, the bigger conflict of interest that we touched on repeatedly, but nobody seemed to really care about or respond to is Kelly Slater building a wave pool and then competing for world tour points towards a championship in that exact wave pool. You know what I mean? Like that is just the most egregious conflict of interest I've ever seen in all of sporting. And at the time he responded to it and was like, Oh yeah, everybody gets equal time to compete there. It's like, yeah. first of all, no, they don't. You were building it for 10 years. Secondly, who gives a crap? That's neither here nor there. You own the tech, you own the property, you designed it. You, you know, like there's just so much. And it's fine if you want to go do an exhibition there, but to put it on tour and have those points go towards a world title is just totally insane. An insane conflict of interest. So yeah. they're not, the WSL is not opposed to conflict of interest if it suits their own needs. All right. Well, I don't want to beat up on the WSL. I'm a fan of them and what they do, but I just wanted some clarity. I was just hoping you could provide me with some clarity or you would hope that somebody over there would just simply send a quick text going, Hey, I guess they're not going to do that. By the way, the WSL apparently last week, I'm just getting caught up on all this news. Uh, they laid off a bunch of people in their content studio. They're, they're, is the studio no longer? They're not doing films. They're not doing Ultimate Surfer. They're not doing these, these like stories, or like unearthing these stories, which are, some of them are pretty good, like the Billy Camper thing. And they're not doing that. So there's two stories here. Um, a month ago, they laid off or they closed WSL Studios. So yeah, all of all of that is gone. The more recent story from this week is that they laid off a bunch of content creators, like writers and, you know, whatever. Um, what about so your the first, inside secret source at the WSL? How's he doing or she? Um, I have not checked in yet, actually. Okay. Um, but my and multiple secret sources, by the way, not just oh, one. Nice. Uh, I want to diffuse the blame if anybody gets caught up. Um So a month ago, the WSL Studios thing, the story there is the WSL Studios was a newer project. That project was only a couple of years old. So prior to that, the WSL created to or existed to run surf contests and they would create content, but it was all um, used kind of in and around those contests. WSL Studios they brought Eric Logan, who ran the Oprah Network. They brought him in to run WSL Studios originally. And the goal there was not only to create that shoulder content in and around the contest, but also to create marquee pieces, standalone pieces that would be in 
movie theaters. They would be in television net on television networks like The Ultimate Surfer, and they would exist on Netflix and all that sort of thing. Um, those goals were never fully achieved. In addition to that, by the way, they also had YouTube content that they had designed. Uh, unboxing with Koa Smith, getting heated, like the ESPN's first take. And none of that stuff really uh, was that big of a success. I think the Billy Kemper documentary that you mentioned probably had the most um, kind of critical acclaim and views, but the ultimate surfer was an objective failure. Um, those YouTube focused videos never really found an audience. And so I think after two or three years, they shuttered that. But in the meantime, Eric Logan got moved into the CEO position, kind of running all of WSL. So the studios, um, he replaced, you know, he put other people in those roles to run the studios thing. Um, I don't know if they gave it enough time. Maybe, maybe he should have had it figured out within that time. Um, and the other thing that we've talked about in the past was, they're doing a series that's made by the same team that makes the formula one series on Netflix called yeah. drive to survive. Yeah. They're called box to box films. So that's outsourced. That yeah. was never being produced by WSL studios. That's yeah. being produced by a different studio. So that will still come to fruition and that's scheduled for Apple TV. That makes more um, sense, right? This just kind of like sitting back, looking at the landscape and going, Hey, these guys are doing something really great. Let's just, yeah help them with some resources or whatever and we can sort of bask in the glory of it and if it's a dud then we can just kind of pull back and it wasn't ever ours anyway right and so then the more recent story of laying off kind of the content creators that were in-house I don't know who those people were. I don't know what their jobs were. I'm wondering if they were designed to do that content that I was talking about previously that is built for the events themselves because they still do need to make original content. That's all that interstitial stuff during the event where they throw to, you want to learn more about Griffin Colapinto? Here's a little bio with Griffin, you know, and they're interviewing him and showing around his house or whatever. They still need to do stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if they cut some of those people. Who knows? I think some of the greatest stuff they do and some of the stuff that I would be, if I was in the edit meetings, I'd be raising my hand and going, Hey, the more historical lookbacks on these events, the better we're going to do one. We're going to be able to show a bunch of great footage that we have. Um, two, we're going to add a lot of credibility to not only the events, but to ourselves, you know, all of a sudden the WSL, it kind of just by, um, you know, us being there, we're a part of, 35, 40 years of history in the case of Bell's 60 or 60 plus years of history, whatever it is. Um, I think that the more, I, I just think that that's a smart move. Um, providing as we watch the event, some, a lot of historical context. You know, what was the best version of that in recent years? Yeah, the, was the during this, totally pioneers of pipeline. Yeah. Um, so, but when you look into that, you know whose idea that was? Vans. <laughs> Close. Evan Slater at Billabong's. Yeah. So that event was sponsored by Billabong. Evan, who is the salt, you know, he is yeah. the guy. He's been in surfing. He's been a professional surfer. He's worked in surfing his whole time. He knows exactly uh, yeah. how to tell a story about surfing, what are what's important. And 
so Tim Burnham is a podcast listener. He made a film uh, called Dirty Old Wedge. Made a bit film on uh, Ben Carson, the lifeguard Carlson, the the lifeguard from Newport Beach, who passed away. And um, so he was involved with that project too, and it was centered around Mark Cunningham and his found fins that he does as art projects. And Mark's been a lifeguard on the North Shore forever, so he's on at Aukai. So he's sitting there looking at pipe for decades. And so he tells the story of the surfers of Pipeline. He narrates it, finds one of his fins, puts that up. It's kind of centered around that as a device. But what I, what that series reminded me of, I agree with you. It was phenomenal. You can go watch it on YouTube right now, all eight parts, I think. But what was phenomenal or what that reminded me of was when we were growing up, when I was growing up, surf magazines were the ones that told the stories. They were the ones who gave the oral tradition or the written tradition of passing down stories from generation to generation. And those magazines were run by yourself. They were run by surfers and brands that had surfers working in those brands. And so that Billabong series was that again, and it stood in stark contrast from the corporate of surfing that we've seen in the last decade that is really just trying to leverage aesthetic to move the needle, to sell product, to gain views and all that sort of stuff. But it's uh, vapid and it's vacant and it's hollow, you know, and we kind of talk about it along the way, but it takes something like that Billabong Pioneers of Pipeline series to really stand in contrast to say, oh my gosh, this is meat and potatoes and yeah. this over here is all just empty calories you know yeah yeah it's like so that's shout out that, to the, the pipe series was like ag1 and the other stuff's exactly. like lorna dune shortbreads <laughs> <laughs> the other stuff is a sugary energy drink that will remain <laughs> nameless um right. yeah i yeah so shout out billabong and Evan and the whole oh, yeah, team, Tim sure. Burnham and Mark sure. Cunningham, you know, I thought I, that stuff was killer. I love that Dirty Old Wedge movie. Such a good flick. Enjoyed the heck it out is. of that. Yeah. Speaking of movies, do you know where I'm going next? Yeah, the Oscars this Sunday. Yeah. But let me yeah. ask you this. Did you watch, I don't even know the movies, but I did watch one movie called Belfast because of my recent interest in Ireland. And of course, Keep It a Secret film is out there, a story of surfing in Ireland, the historical perspective. And I recently, as you know, I read that book, um, Say Nothing, which is the story of the troubles uh, in Ireland. So I watched Belfast because of that. And it was a great movie. Enjoyed the heck out of it. And I believe it's nominated. I really don't know, but somebody told me it is. Um, but so now we understand and learn that Kelly Slater is going to be a presenter at the Oscars. What are your thoughts on Kelly Slater, the GOAT, the competitive GOAT, let's make that clear, competitive GOAT, um, you know, being in, the, being in the limelight here, being uh, a part of the Oscar broadcast. I'll come back. More important to me than Kelly yeah. is Belfast. Yes. I thought Belfast was the best film of the year, full stop. Yeah. Um, you're right. It is nominated for best picture. It's nominated for director, probably some other stuff too. Um, I've been watching each of the best picture nominees, like yeah. one or two a week, yeah. making my way through them. Yeah. And they're good. You know, like the French dispatch, I really liked. It was good. Um, Licorice pizza. I liked that was good, but Belfast within 20 or 30 minutes, I was like, this 
is it this no need to even finish watching no need to watch those this is it this is the best film of the year yeah. really really beautiful film um, i thought the i thought the the, the wife uh, is she nominated for anything because i thought she did a great job not sure I didn't really look into the other nominations, but yeah, she did a phenomenal, everybody in it did a phenomenal job. Did the kid get and nominated? The young I don't boy? know. Yeah, He's yeah. such a sweetheart though. What but, of the other films should I watch? Like, don't just tell me that, that yeah, they're good film. Like which ones are must watches? Cause I sense a lot of times with the Oscars, there's a lot of films that aren't must watches. Yeah. Um, French dispatch was really good. That's a must watch. You're telling me that's a must watch. Yeah, yeah. The French Wait a minute, dispatch. you're not saying that with any conviction at all. Well, do you like, I mean, the filmmaker is very stylized. Do you know Wes Anderson? No. He did The Royal Tenenbaums, The, Darje the Darjeeling Limited, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh my God, you, okay. Any of those ring a bell? Well, I know the aesthetic, right? I, I kind of, I'm kind of getting the aesthetic. Yeah, so they're very stylistic, but I love them. I think they're fantastic. And this is the best film of his that I've seen in years. And the cast alone should entice you. It's like Bill Murray, Francis McDormand, Owen Wilson, Timothy Chalamet, Benicio del Toro. Um, just on and on and on. Every time somebody pops on screen, you're like, Oh my God, Edward Norton. You know, let me ask you this. Cause this is, this speaks to, um, I guess, I don't know what it speaks to, but I like films that are fast paced. For instance, Belfast, very fast paced. Is this movie fast paced that you speak of? Very, very. The French, what's it called? The French what? The French Dispatch. Dispatch. Okay. I'm writing yeah. this down. It's right. on H it's on HBO. Okay. All right. Well, um, so yeah, so back to Ke back yeah. to Kelly. So he's co-presenting some category at the Oscars with Sean White and uh, Tony Hawk. And so my opinion on this is the Oscar committee goes, man, only old people watch the Oscars, probably old white people. Right. And <laughs> so how do we, how do we appeal to the younger demographic? let's get 50 year old white dudes to do it. You know what I mean? It's like their thought is that these guys are young because they're action sports superstars. Yeah. They're still 50 year old white dudes. You yeah. know? It's not the youth is going to be like, you know what? That, that would look, that would be <laughs> that such like a, a good joke. If one of those, if those three guys came out and said that joke right there, that would nail it. That would be such a good little jab at the, because you're right, this kind of reeks of, you know, like the Olympic Committee going, oh, my God, what do we do? Um, get skateboarding, surfing and like exactly. what, some other action sports in this. We need to we need a youth invasion. For sure. But it's like these guys, there, there's a, I, I don't even know who the youth invasion would be now. I don't know who they would hire. It's probably some kid with a YouTube channel, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Justin Bieber, but he's not young either anymore. So I don't know who's young anymore, but yeah, these guys aren't it, but I, so I don't know what the point of even having them there is, unless there's some new category of film that I'm unaware of. If they opened it up, opened up the documentary sub genre to action sports documentary or something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I'm personally okay with it. I think it's fine. I'm stoked for those three guys. They're certainly in the um, zeitgeist of culture here. They're, did I use that word right, by the way? 
Yes, you did. They're, um, um, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, in the food chain here, so to speak, pop culture wise. So uh, I'm not against it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not against it. I'm just saying if they're, if their goal is to do that, I'm not sure that they're going to execute their goal. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not against it at all. And I don't mind seeing those guys and I'll be watching. I mean, I, I kind of generally have it on, but, um, seems like they should have got probably be watching. Sal. Like if they got Sal as one of those three guys, they would have covered. Nobody like, knows. Yeah. But I mean, Sal's pretty famous, isn't he? I mean, he was on ESPN. He did like basketball coverage for ESPN. His dad's yeah, but- a renowned jazz musician. He's nowhere near as famous as those guys. Right. And he's not an actor. So, I mean, you can have like a middling, like an actor who's on the up, you know, who not everybody knows, but they're going to know. But he's, yeah, he doesn't fit the category. Um, There's another film, but I think you already saw it, that's nominated for Best Picture. And it is uh, Don't Look Up. We talked about that already, though. The one about the meteor coming. Uh, oh my god that's such a good movie i love that yeah movie. yeah yeah, yeah. That that's a good. that's a best film nominee yeah that's a best picture nominee. is leo leo uh is leo dicaprio is he is it leonardo yeah leonardo dicaprio is he nominated it, it does know. not look like it no that was a great film i love that movie it really was When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, well, I got a couple more. I wanted to talk about the WSL, a couple more things just to touch on. Do you know who the wild card will be for Bells? Oh, it must be a Rip Curl rider, maybe McFanning or something. Yeah, I, I heard a rumor. I had a rumor that Mick is going to be doing it, which I think is a waste of a wild card. I do, too. To Mick. I do too. Um, I love Mick. Well deserving of his three world titles. He has all my adoration, but he's just not who I want to see as a wild card for Bells. I agree. Um, I've had enough Mick at this point. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about G Land way prematurely, but Clay Marzo took to Instagram this week and pleaded with the WSL for a wild card, which Clay Marzo absolutely has my support. 
the more clay marzo the better i cannot get enough clay kelly slater chimed in on his instagram and said absolutely you have my full support um (laughs) and then and then i so give me your thoughts that's fascinating that kelly slater said that because to me that says okay let's watch this closely how much pull does kelly slater have you know like if clay gets it it's like, yeah, Kelly told Eric to make it happen or Jesse Miley died. If Clay doesn't get it, Kelly looks kind of not so good. Like Kelly wow. personally doesn't look like he's got the, it, like it's kind of a shot. I, no? No, I don't think it makes Kelly look bad. He, I mean, you could have. I mean, it makes him look like him. he doesn't. Maybe it's a good move if they don't give it to Clay. So it looks like Kelly doesn't have the, the influence that he might actually have. I don't like think that you could pin it on Kelly either. secret. You know, a double I don't speaker. think you could pin it on Kelly either way. Like Clay <laughs> has all the talent for that style of wave, especially that they oh. could justify giving him the wild card. And if they don't, there's a million reasons that they could claim is the reason why they didn't. Kelly has nothing to do with either. But I love that Kelly, I mean, ultimately, Clay would be a threat to Kelly out there, a legitimate threat to Kelly out there in a way that very few people are out there. Um, so I love that Kelly is a fan of surfing more than he is of shoring up his position. Yeah. There's been years past where he's been more concerned about the positioning. Um, but my question for you about G land is came from a listener, actually, how many surfers on tour have actually surfed G land ever in their life? That's a great question. Probably Kelly. I mean, we'd have to look at the thing, but let me just pull it up real quick. Yeah. I mean, we know Kelly, right. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle, Kyle's pretty old. Kyle's like almost 30, isn't he? Yeah. But why would he be in G land ever? Well, like I mean, he look, was on tour. He was chasing old. points. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, you, you know, you're in Indo and you're like, let's just go to G land. Like that's kind of the move. But like if you're in Bali. G-Land, no way. No way. G land getting to G land is not like, Oh, let's just go to G land. G land's a no, huge no. effort. And secondly, the, well, secondly, these guys have all been chasing QS points for the last decade. And to be honest, G-Land's fallen out of fashion. You know what I mean? Like G-Land, all right. I mean, if this all was right. the mid-90s, I agree with you. They would have taken the extra days and done it. Okay, but so we know Kelly. Nowadays, people aren't doing it. I agree. Yeah, okay, let's just take your theory and run with it. Kelly, for sure. Uh, John John, yay or nay? I don't think so. I've never seen John John there. Jordy Smith? I bet Jordy possibly. I bet Jordy was. He might have been there when. When was the last time they were on tour? Uh, G Land was on tour. That was like 06 or something. No, it was like ninety eight or ninety six. I think it was, it was the nineties. Yeah. Okay. So maybe yeah. Jordy would. Um, Kalohe and Dino. Has he ever been to G Land? Possibility. Jack Robinson. Oh, you know. Yeah, Jack and Kanoa have been there when they were very very young. I do remember that. On trip. a Quicksilver event. Yeah, Jefferson? yeah. Jack and Jack and Canoa went, but it was decade plus ago. Something tells me Leo Fioravanti was on that trip. Then Leo's probably surfed he, it. He may have, but the point is, it's interesting. Yeah, three, last year, three last out year, of, yeah. Well, last year and this year, there's events on tour that really nobody surfed. Last year it was Rottnest, and um, not a thrilling event, not a thrilling wave. There's a reason why nobody had traveled to Rottnest prior, yeah. but. Um, this one I think is more compelling. And so the money it's a big gamble for who to pick for your fantasy teams or survival teams or whatever. 
You know what? I want to go surf G land. That's kind of like at the top of my bucket list. Yeah, that's huge. I want to surf G land. I want to go to G land. Good. I need to Let's go to make G-Land. it happen. Maybe on my uh, 60th birthday. Will you still be in prime, prime shape to surf it? Probably not. I mean, I'm not in prime shape right now, but I could paddle out and, you know, go up the point of ways and get a couple of peaks. And, and after, you know, six days kind of find my footing out there and have some fun. Yeah. That's kind of what it's about. Well, I'm not going to set the world on fire or make any edits or anything. I just, I just want to experience it. Shout out to one of our <laughs> listeners who um, runs, he's one of the founders of that IPD brand. Yeah. Um, and he and his sons, he took his sons there this past year and he, you know, it was basically empty. He sent me photos from it. He said it was the best trip of their lives. Oh, for like, sure. And I've, I've heard that. Yeah. They've traveled a bit and, you know, surfing with his kids and all that. And he said it was just absolutely surreal. Like they were tripping, pinching themselves. Like yeah. this is a once in a lifetime thing. I've heard the same thing. I've got friends that have gone like, you know, six, seven, eight times. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of IPD. The- yeah. Speaking of IPD, International mm-hmm. Professional Designs, the California Gold Surf Auction is going to be happening here April 15th through the April 29th. It's coming up. It's coming up. And um, that's when bidding will begin, April 15th, and bidding closes April 29th. And we have a, a Hurley, a Bob Hurley-shaped IPD California gun as one of the lots, one of the boards in the auction. So I'm pretty psyched. It's a gorgeous board. It's got a beautiful sort of burnt orange airbrush on the deck. It's in really great shape. And um, I'm psyched on it. I've always been sort of I kind of grew up in that era of the IPD of Hurley being a shaper before he was a big deal. And I remember seeing those boards down at Puerto a lot. And um, yeah, so we got a bunch of cool boards in the California gold surf auction. We've got Greg Knowles, Randy Yaders, Mickey Dora, Lance Carson. We got John Milius, personal, his personal big Wednesday board, um, which I'm excited about putting in the auction. We've got a bunch of other cool stuff. Um, incredible collaboration between Kevin Ansel, Rennie Yader, and John Comer, who's um, an iconic artist in the art world. And those guys have created three beautiful surfboards for the auction. Um, The theme is colors, lines, shapes. And so we've got boards that sort of touch on those themes. So there's a lot of art. There's a lot of color in this particular auction. Again, California Gold Surf Auction. And you can download the app and look at the catalog and preview all the stuff. Um, the app is simply California Gold Surf Auction. Download the app, check it all out. High resolution imagery. How in the world do you continuously find boards every auction cycle? Like you would think that you would run out at some point. They just keep. Well, keep I mean, I, I've been in the space long enough so that. Um, you know, people come to me with some of their stuff, you know, and, um, yeah, basically, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like, um, people are kind enough to reach out and go, Hey, I may or may not have something that makes sense. And, and we look at it and we go from there. I mean, I've been doing it for a while now, so it's been, it's been a good thing, you know? 
every time you guys do an auction, I see boards and I'm like, wow, one of a kind. Where did that thing come from? Who had that? And what a find. Yeah. And then and then next time, next time, and it's multiple lots within the auction that are that I feel that way about. And then next time you guys hold an auction again, new gems get unearthed, you know? Yeah, we're pretty so. excited about it. We got some cool stuff. We got some town and countries. We got some Larry Burlman's. We got uh Danky Aloha model from town and country. We've got a bunch of cool stuff from, you know, dating back to the 1910s. I mean, we've got an ancient Hawaiian redwood plank. Um, Crazy. You know, yeah, we got a bunch of cool stuff. Well, have you ever seen any of um, Kevin Ansel's paintings in person? Not in person. No. I mean, other than I've seen the ones that are, that he's, you know, the stuff he's done on these boards that are in the auction. Right. Right. No, like I've seen, he does um, oil on canvas as well. Yeah. They, they are insane. So good. That guy is unbelievably talented. Um, I mean, I, I, they're, they're dark. Like, I don't know what to compare them to. They kind of have almost like a Renaissance theme to them, like almost a biblical theme, but much, much darker, like a lot of blacks, you know, and dark purples and that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. but they're just so technically proficient and overwhelming in terms of the scale, like their large scale and the subject matter is just powerful and dark and the technical, like it's, they're really, really remarkably good. Pain. Like I would absolutely buy one if I had tens of thousands of dollars to spend on a painting. <laughs> yeah. Well, this artist, John Comer, again, these three guys got together to do these collaboration boards and um, they're pretty incredible. And they're for sure, like high level um, art world type stuff. So pretty excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's legit. Um, well, the big story for me this week, I don't know if you followed any of this or saw it, but the clip of young Cruz Denofa getting barreled at V-Land coming out and the duck diver releasing his board and the board flips up, does the tombstone thing where it pops out the back as Cruz is coming out of the tube and hits Cruz in the side of the head somehow Cruz maintains composure and can stay standing throughout all of it, but is like, what the heck? He ends up in the hospital with sutures and stitches. Turns out it was Tosh Tudor's board, who is he was the duck diver. So uh Joel Tudor's young son. Do you know how old Tosh is? Uh 16, maybe. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. Sub 18. So these are both minors. Cruz is probably 14 at this point. Um, he's kind of the Sir Phenom from regular footed shortboard Phenom from <clears throat> New Jersey. He did a backflip in that pool in Waco uh, this last year, which is how he ended up on all our radars when he was 13 years old. Thoughts on this clip, Scott? Uh, you know, I did see this and I did see that it was Tosh and um, I don't have any more insight into this other than, you know, like, I don't know if there was, um, if there was, you know, some sort of dialogue between Tosh and Cruz after this occurred, you know, I'm assuming that there was, cause Tosh is a good kid. I'm, I'm sure that there must've been some, um, I, you know, was your, impression I, I don't know. From watch, just from watching it, what did it look like happened to you? Did it look it was like horrific. an accident? It was horrific. It looked like it could have been way worse than it was. It looked like it could have been a scalping. Like it was, yeah. 
I'm sh- I'm sure the suture the sutures are deep and the, the staples or whatever. I'm sure it's pretty bad, but you know, anytime you know there's a hit to the head there with fins and stuff. I mean, it looked pretty. It looked like it could have taken off an ear or something. It was a, a it looked like a scalping. Um, not that I don't expect you to imply an intention on Tasha's part, but did it look like an accident to you or has oh, that sure. ever happened to you with the board slipping yeah, out? Look, it wasn't an accident. Tasha isn't trying to, there's no malice in, involved here at all. This is just, you know, crowded yeah. day at V land. And, um, you know, how knows? often does I, a surfboard I do know this, slip out of your hands? It has happened before a, a surfboard has slipped yeah. out of my hands before, you know, especially yeah. a, glo- a board that's glossed. You know, I'll often wax up there near the nose when on a gloss board so that it, I have some ability to grip the thing, you know, and um, yeah, yeah. so I, I am for sure going to, uh, you know, yield uh, until I find out more information about it. But like I said, I sense that, that, um, you know, proper dialogue occurred here and that there was apologies and amends and whatever retributions needed to occur, reparations or whatever. But again, I don't know anything other than I saw the clip and I saw that it was Tosh's board. Okay. Well, what do you know? I know a bit more. Cruz's dad reached out to me. Tim is his name. And he said, um, I was like, man, I saw that because he sent, so he reached out and he goes, Hey, this is possible, you know, conversation. If you're interested to know anything more, I was like, yeah, what the heck was that? Because you think there's a kook duck diving who doesn't know how to duck dive. That's your initial thought when you see it. And then you hear it's Tosh and you're like, man, you're right. My board slipped out of my hand too, but it's been a long time and it doesn't happen very often. And the timing of it was just so unfortunate, you know, that, it's just really bad luck if it is in, in, in fact an accident. So I asked him what his impression was. And he said, I'm gathering most of my information from the videos. What you see pretty much tells the story. It is definitely intense to watch, but you can see how the collision happened. It's very unfortunate because I can see a few ways that this all could have been avoided. I've attached an additional video angle of the wave for you to get another perspective of the situation. The angle he sent me was from the beach more pulled back, but you can see the, it's like um, the background, the foreground and kind of the paddling, Tosh's paddling line. And Tim goes on to say, Tosh messaged Cruz that night to apologize and said the board slipped through his hands during the duck dive. And Tosh also, by the way, publicly apologized on the Instagram feeds and said exactly that. And Cruz replied to those and said, I accept your apology, understandable, all good. Tim goes back to say to me, quote, I feel like it would have been the right move for Tosh to have checked on Cruz immediately and help him to the beach rather than paddle away and continue to surf. Um, We are very grateful that Corey Lopez and Cruz's buddy Max were right there after the collision to check on his head. The cut was so deep that you could clearly see his skull exposed. Together, those two paddled him to the beach and took him straight to the hospital. Cruz ended up receiving four sutures and 10 staples to the side of his head. Yeah, man, that's that's brutal. You know, the other thing that, that I was thinking about as you were explaining the situation is um, Tosh tends to ride boards that aren't um, like contemporary chippy shortboards that are easy to hold. You know, yeah. Tosh rides everything. 
and and I'm sure that he's got some boards that are pretty full volume wise and thick and hard to hold on to. And that one was. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm glad to hear that Tosh apologized. I think that while it's true, it would have been uh, a better situation if Tosh was like, oh, my God, I better check on this guy. I don't really know how it played out, you know, so. I, and, and Tosh might not have even have known that yeah, it was Cruz yeah. or that it was that it was that severe. You know what I mean? Like he might have just scram- there could have been a set coming and he might have just scrambled for his board and then continued paddling. And the other thing is about the board slipping. Uh, he was probably scrambling to the shoulder of that wave, too. You see a guy getting barreled coming down the line. You're just like, ah, frantic. And you're making a frantic duck dive as well, not ensuring that you have the best grip. So all of those things, and like you said, the board is bulky and voluminous. Uh, so it is tough. And there doesn't, there's Tim didn't allude to any backstory of like, oh no, Cruz burned Tosh on the previous wave. So Tosh was pissed. There was none of that. It yeah. totally seemed to just be out of the blue. But I told Tim, I go, look, considering that they're both minors and that they're both who, you know, public figures and all that, it would have been nice if Joel would have reached out to Tim and just to check in and be like, Hey, our son's had this tiff. Is he okay? Or whatever. And, um, Tim said, no, Joel didn't reach out, but Cruz told me that Joel paddled back out when Corey was actually checking on Cruz's head. And Joel just said, you'll be okay. It happens to the best of us and paddled away. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, look, I know Tosh, I've had enough interaction with Tosh to know that he's a pretty sweet kid. And, um, I don't think that there was any malice. It's, it totally sucks for Tim and, of yeah. course, for his son, Cruz. Um, and, and you know, it's going to be a story for the rest of his life. He's going to have a scar there. Um, yeah, bummer. But reminder about helmets, not only are lacerations uh, a, a problem here, but head trauma is a real problem, too. So helmets are a protection. Yeah, against no, for that. sure. Absolutely. Um, and one other update for listeners, Waterman, the Duke Kahanamoku documentary is set to release on April 1st. So one week, I think from today, um, just dodged a sneeze. Sorry about that. Um, and so that, I saw that. Yeah. I wish I could have, it went away. Um, it's a great film. I saw this a couple of months back. Um, it's been winning every surf film festival that it's been entered into and it's narrated by Jason Momoa and it's really well done. So that is scheduled to be in theaters on April 1st. I'm sure that it'll be streaming as well. By the way, I'm, um, I'm listening to a book right now. I usually read books, but for whatever reason, I purchased this audio book thinking I was getting the, the textual version, but I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I know I was like, what? I don't want to listen to this, but I'm listening to it. And it's actually really good. But it's from a guy named Peter Zahane. Have you heard of this guy? Peter Zahane. Uh, sounds familiar. He's a geopolitical, how, how would I say? It? He's got a geopolitical expert. And um, this book's called The Accidental Superpower, The Next Generation of American Preeminence in the Coming Global Disorder. This, bo- this book was done in 2014. But he's on a lot of podcasts right now because of his insights into what's happening in Ukraine with the Russia invasion of Ukraine. And um, this guy is really fascinating, man. I'm just so enthralled by this book, but also do yourself a favor and just, just 
Google his name and, and he's got, there's some five and six minute clips of him talking about what's happening right now. And he's got a really very interesting outlook on it all. And um, it's definitely worth a listen. Peter Zahane, that's Z-E-I-H-A-N. Maybe it's Zahan, Peter Zahan. Um, well, give me, just give us a quick insight into what his perspective is and well, what he, was he identifying he, in 2014? He looks at everything, and I'm, I'll butcher it a little bit, but he looks at everything from, first and foremost, the geography of the region. And, the, and he goes into great backstory from the, like, the beginnings of time on why geography is what creates powerful civilizations. And he uses that sort of context to overlay what's happening in Russia and in Ukraine. And he even looks at the United States of America, basically saying, look, our geography is incredible for we'll, we will never not be a powerful civilization because we have two massive oceans on each side of us. And, um, and that's kind of the, the general point of departure for him on any discussion as he looks at the geography of the situation and he'll just go, look, you know, like there's a reason that civilization occurred in, on the Nile and on these, in these river valleys, you know, and it's because you were able to grow crops and feed your, your group and, and you had natural fortification. And he just goes into all of this really great stuff. And he, and he explains the situation with Russia and why Russia is really in a no win situation. They're completely screwed. Hmm. It's kind of, um, and he talks about China and he's like, dude, China, China without globalization. In other words, if we just cut off China from the world, they'd be screwed. They'd yeah. be absolutely screwed. And yeah. so they they can't, they can only China can only go so far as far as you know backing Russia or whatever. Right. Um one of my favorite all-time podcasts is called This American Life. And they just published an episode um, that they republished an episode. They originally published it in 2017, but it's about Russia. And it was about one of the stories within the episode was about how uh, Putin came to power. And it is pretty freaking diabolical. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the short, the short version is, uh, he was a no name. Nobody knew who he was. Boris Yeltsin, Yeltsin was president. He was set to retire. Putin saw an opportunity to seize the throne. And he was, um, he basically bombed an apartment building, bombed his own people. They bombed allegedly, but there's all of this evidence to support the claim. And then the reporters who have reported on this evidence all got killed. All of them. Yeah. You know, and like, so they, they walk you through all of this, but he as an up and coming politician banging this drum that really nobody was listening to bombs, a Russian apartment building kills 300 Russians blames it on the opposition. So this drum that he was beating that nobody was listening to now, all of the public is like, Oh my gosh, he was right. This no namer, no name dude has all this insight and foresight. He's our new guy. So then he becomes president, obviously dispatches all of his proponents um, or opposition. And it's, it's freaking unbelievably damning. And there's just so much evidence that supports so all of these alleged claims. If I Googled this American Life podcast, is there one that, is it called like, you know, the rise of Putin or something? 
something like that. Maybe you yeah, can it's got Russia in the or... title. Okay. I'll just shout it out right now for everybody to listen. Kill it. Um, yeah, it's really, really damning. And I mean, it's stuff that like you always heard rumors about, but yeah. they do a great job. It's called The Other Mr. President, and it was pub- it's episode 763, published on February 27th. Uh, stories I wanna, about I see that I want to listen to that for sure. Um, this Peter Peter's oh god anything else? No, Th- go ahead. This Peter Zahan has a new book coming out now, and it's called what is it called? It's called um, basically this isn't the beginning of the end. This is the end of the beginning, and it's kind of a fascinating. And this I is like the that. guy. By the way, this That's guy this guy in 2014 or before 2014, this guy predicted that Russia would invade Ukraine based on his yeah. this geo, geopolitical um, sort of context that he uses. And so yeah. now everyone's going, holy shit, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he's like, it's not that hard. Just look at the geography. Right. Nobody cares. I don't want to look at geography. He does <laughs> That's like looking yeah. at math. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but it is. it does give you a crystal ball when you have obviously – information is power and when you yeah. understand the information it provides a much broader context but yeah it's like a crystal ball yeah and especially um, when the information that he has is proves itself out for the past twenty thousand years you know what i mean like yeah, that's exactly. what's kind of when you're looking at that large of a data set these kind of 10-year increments are very very obvious yeah you know um people yeah people like to think that they're special snowflakes and like have all this autonomy and make decisions, but um, we're not, we're just animals, you know? And like when they track any, when scientists track penguins or whatever, they don't need to sample 100,000 penguins. They put a tracker on like five and they collect that data (laughs) and they go, they go, look at, here's how penguins operate. And they're shockingly accurate. Those five penguins represent all penguins, you know? And that's honestly, as much as you and I want to pretend like we have autonomy and we have willpower and we're making all these decisions, we are just acting out our base impulses. That's all that we're doing. Wow. Bringing it. Don't take it so seriously. Right. You know what? Tell a joke. And furthermore, this is kind of gnarly. I got it. So the other day I was, I was riding, I mean, I was uh, driving and there was this girl and she was, you know, riding her bike. She was riding her bike and I rolled down my window and I was like, and I screamed at her. I go, cow. And she flipped me off and she rode right into the cow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like kind of, it. I like it. It's kind good. of a funny joke, but maybe not. Maybe it's, who knows? Maybe it's, it's funny. Cause I wanted everybody wants to point the finger. How dare you Scott Bass? And Dude, here you are being benevolent. She hurt the cow. The cow got wiped out. She got hurt too. What were you, did you do a trip to Santa Barbara? <laughs> was there a cow in Encinitas somehow randomly? I was on my way somewhere. Okay. Um, Two other details in the surf world that people may be interested in. Uh, must-see moment this week, Kale Walsh's video, Idiot Box. I don't know how much you're into watching surf edits nowadays, but if you are, Kale Walsh, Kale Walsh from um, 
Western Australia, the Margaret River area of Western Australia, just released an edit. He tends to do about one a year, and that keeps him on everybody's radar, keeps him in good graces with Quicksilver. He'll usually then get a wild card into an event in West Oz. Uh, but the kid's the real deal, man. He's a regular footer, does huge airs, and gets big, crazy barrels out there. So cool. check that I'm, out. I'm into checking that out for sure. Yeah. Idiot box. It's 10 minutes long. Um, and then the other little note, we could put it in the Duke section, is Joe Cremo died at the age of 47 this past week. Joe Cremo is, had a moment in surfing. And not really staying power, but his moment was really, really interesting and really impactful. And he really only existed in Southern California, never really left lowers, you know, where a lot of other pro surfers, then you see him in Hawaii in the wintertime, and then they travel, do surf trips, photo trips. Joe Cremo sat at lowers and did techie tricks in the mid nineties and lost surfboards, lost enterprises, their huge kind of entry into the market was their surf films. And they featured Joe Cremo. Joe Cremo would often get his own section, um, sometimes along a surfer named Justin Madison, who was doing similar type surfing, but very, very unconventional surfing. Forget about a bottom turn. Forget about doing a carve. Forget about any of that. He was going for shove it's, occasional kick flips, but mainly he perfected the shove it on a surfboard and people still can barely do a shove it on a surfboard. They're not really trying, but Joe Cremo <laughs> perfected this thing and yeah. he would do it as an opening maneuver. He would take off on a set wave at lowers, go right up to that first section, not like a chop hop shove it. He would go right up to that first section and bang, crack that thing backside, front side, whatever, and just do a shove it full traction on the deck all the way to the nose land revert kind of trying to make his way out of that switch position do another one it was just completely alien and radical and um it was an am amazing moment and so joe unfortunately passed away at the age of 47 and uh it's worth revisiting that footage yeah well i'm, I'm sorry to hear that rest in power joe cremo rip in peace yeah um, and then also, I mean, I'll throw Corey Lopez in the Duke section too, for helping out young Cruz to Yeah. I just love that Corey Lopez is in Hawaii right now surfing. <laughs> like, you know, he's, uh, past his professional surf obligations. And so I'm thrilled to hear that he's still making that effort and going out there and doing his thing without trying to publish it or get clips and try to stay relevant. He's just out there doing it. Yeah. I wish that I could do the same. Yeah. I'm stoked for him. Stoked for Corey and good, good on him for helping. Good on him for phenomenal helping. surfer too. Absolutely. All right. Well, look, David, what a great show. Um, we've got next week, we're going to have surf survival picks and um, we've got the bells event. If today's the 23rd, that event starts on the third, I believe. So we're about 10 no, or 11. The days oh, it starts on, it starts the on April 10th. Oh, yeah. okay. April 10th. Okay. So yeah. But, well, but by the way, it's been a horrendous season year for bells in terms of surf. So um, hopefully by that time, you know, giving it a little bit more time, yeah, uh, maybe we'll start to see some swell, but it's not, it has not been great. So we'll see what happens, but. All right. 
we'll play it by ear here. I think it's going to be good. And uh, you David, s- wait, yeah. you you said next week we're going to have survival picks. Does that mean you're going to offer a pick? I'm not going to offer a pick, but I'm going Son to. Son of a gun. I'm going to make suggestions, but I'm not going to tell you what my pick is. Suggestions to throw people off so that they lose. I think I might have already made my pick too. I got to double check. I don't even remember. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What are you going to do with that $3,000 that you win at the end of the season and three Panda surfboards, but we know what you're going to do with those. What are you going to do with the $3,000? You know what? I'm going to do it half of it. I'm going to give half of it to some sort of Ukrainian humanitarian cause. Very good. And the other 1500 bucks. Um, I'll buy gasoline. <laughs> You'll buy one tank of gasoline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was going to say crypto. No, no, maybe that's not a bad move. Actually. All right. Well, reveal later. We're, we're okay. waiting for the answer. Look, David, until next time, adios and aloha. Yep.